0: Section forty three of The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume four, by James Boswell. Section forty three. Indeed, it is very necessary to keep in mind that Sir John Hawkins has unaccountably viewed Johnson's character and conduct in almost every particular with an unhappy prejudice. I shall add one instance only to those which I have thought it incumbent on me to point out. Talking of Mr. Garrick's having signified his willingness to let Johnson have the loan of any of his books to assist him in his edition of Shakespeare, Sir John says, Mr. Garrick knew not what risk he ran by this offer. Johnson had so strange a forgetfulness of obligations of this sort that few who lent him books ever saw them again. This surely conveys a most unfavorable insinuation, and has been so understood. Sir John mentions the single case of a curious edition of Polition. Where he tells us appeared to belong to pembroke college and which probably had been considered by johnson as his own for upwards of fifty years would it not be fairer to consider this as an inadvertence and draw no general inference the truth is that johnson was so attentive that in one of his manuscripts in my possession he has marked in two columns books borrowed and books lent in sir john hawkins's compilation there are however some passages concerning johnson which have unquestionable merit. one of them i shall transcribe in justice to a writer whom i have had too much occasion to censure and to shew my fairness as the biographer of my illustrious friend there was wanting in his conduct and behavior that dignity which results from a regular and orderly course of action and by an irresistible power commands esteem he could not be said to be a staid man nor so to have adjusted in his mind the balance of reason and passion as to give occasion to say what may be observed of some men that all they do is just fit and right yet a judicious friend well suggests it might however have been added that such men are often merely just and rigidly correct while their hearts are cold and unfeeling and that johnson's virtues were of a much higher tone than those of the staid orderly man here described boswell and a footnote. We now behold Johnson for the last time in his native city, for which he ever retained a warm affection, and which, by a sudden apostrophe, under the word "lick," footnote, "lick," a dead carcass, whence "Lickfield," the field of the dead, a city in Staffordshire, so named from martyred Christians. Salve magna parans it is curious that in the abridgment of the dictionary he struck out this salutation though he left the rest of the article salve magna parens hail mighty parent," is from virgil's georgics the reverend t twinning when at lickfield in 1797 says i visited the famous large old willow tree which johnson they say used to kiss when he came to lickfield and a footnote he introduces with reverence into his immortal work the english dictionary salve magna parens footnote the following circumstance mutually to the honor of johnson and the corporation of his native city has been communicated to me by the rev dr vice from the town clerk mr simpson has now before him a record of the respect and veneration which the corporation of Lickfield in the year 1767 had for the merits and learning of Dr. Johnson. His father built the corner house in the market-place, the two fronts of which, towards Market and Broad Market Street, stood upon wasteland of the corporation, under a forty-years lease, which was then expired. On the 15th of August, 1767, at a common hall of the bailiffs and citizens, it was ordered and that without any solicitation that a lease should be granted to samuel johnson doctor of laws of the encroachments at his house for the term of ninety-nine years at the old rent which was five shillings of which as town clerk mr simpson had the honor and pleasure of informing him that he was desired to accept it without paying any fine on the occasion which lease was afterwards granted and the doctor died possessed of this property boswell End of footnote while here he felt a revival of all the tenderness of filial affection an instance of which appeared in his ordering the gravestone and inscription over elizabeth blaney to be substantially and carefully renewed to mr henry white a young clergyman with whom he now formed an intimacy so as to talk to him with great freedom he mentioned that he could not in general accuse himself of having been an undutiful son footnote according to miss seward who was mr white's cousin johnson once called him the rising strength of lickfield and a footnote once indeed said he i was disobedient i refused to attend my father to a eutoxeter market pride was the source of that refusal and the remembrance of it was painful a few years ago i desired to atone for this fault i went to Uttoxeter in very bad weather and stood for a considerable time bareheaded in the rain on the spot where my father's stall used to stand in contrition i stood and i hope the penance was expiatory footnote the rev r warner who visited lickfield in eighteen o one gives in his tour through the northern counties a fuller account he is clearly wrong in the date of its occurrence and in one other matter yet his story may in the main be true he says that johnson's friends at lickfield missed him one morning the servant said that he had set off at a very early hour whither they knew not just before supper he returned he informed his hostess of his breach of filial duty which happened just fifty years before on that very day to do away the sin of this disobedience i this day went he said in a chaise too and going into the market at the time of high business uncovered my head and stood with it bare an hour before the stall which my father had formerly used, exposed to the sneers of the standers by and the inclemency of the weather. This penance may recall Dante's lines Quando vivia più gloriosa dice liberamente nel campo de Siena, Oigni vergogna deposta suffice. When at his glory's topmost height, said he, respect of dignity all cast aside, Freely he fixed him on Sienna's Plain Carey Dante Purgatory End of Footnote I told him, says Miss Seward, in one of my latest visits to him, of a wonderful learned pig, which I had seen at Nottingham, and which did all that we have observed exhibited by dogs and horses. The subject amused him. Then, said he, the pigs are a race unjustly caluminated. PIG HAS, IT SEEMS, NOT BEEN WANTING TO MAN, BUT MAN TO PIG. WE DO NOT ALLOW TIME FOR HIS EDUCATION. WE KILL HIM AT A YEAR OLD. Mr. Henry White, who was present, observed that if this instance had happened in or before Pope's time, he would not have been justified in instancing the swine as the lowest degree of groveling instinct dr johnson seemed pleased with the observation while the person who made it proceeded to remark that great torture must have been employed ere the indecility of the animal could have been subdued certainly said the doctor but turning to me how old is your pig i told him three years old then said he the pig has no cause to complain he would have been killed the first year if he had not been educated and protracted existence is good recompense for very considerable degrees of torture as Johnson had now very faint hopes of recovery and as mrs. Thrale was no longer devoted to him It might have been supposed that he would naturally have chosen to remain in the comfortable house of his beloved wife's daughter And end his life where he began it But there was in him an animated and lofty spirit footnote mr burke suggested to me as applicable to johnson what cicero in his cato major says of appius intentum inum animum tanquam arcum habibat nec languensens compibat senectuti repeating at the same time the following noble words in the same passage ida inim senectus honesta est si es ipsa defendit si jus seum Retinate si emancipata est si usque ad extremum vitae spiritum vindicte jus suum boswell the last line runs in the original si usque ad ultimum spiritum dominatur in suos and a footnote and however complicated diseases might depress ordinary mortals all who saw him beheld and acknowledged the invictum animum catonis such was his intellectual ardor even at this time that he said to one friend sir i look upon every day to be lost in which i do not make a new acquaintance Footnote. yet baretti who knew johnson well in an m s note on piazzi letters says if ever johnson took any delight in anything it was to converse with some old acquaintance new people he never loved to be in company with except ladies when disposed to caress and flatter him End of footnote. and another when talking of his illness i will be conquered i will not capitulate footnote. johnson thirty-four years earlier wrote i think there is some reason for questioning whether the body and mind are not so proportioned that the one can bear all that can be the afflicted on the other whether virtue cannot stand its ground as long as life and whether a soul well-principled will not be separated sooner than subdued he wrote to mrs thrale on august fourteenth seventeen eighty but what if i am seventy-two i remember Sulpitius says of st martin now that's above your reading est animus victor honorum et synectuti sideri nicias match me that among your young folks on september second seventeen eighty four he wrote to mr sastris the italian master i have hope of standing the english winter and of seeing you and reading petrarch at Bolcourt. and a footnote And such was his love of London, so high a relish had he of its magnificent extent, and variety of intellectual entertainment, that he languished when absent from it, his mind having become quite luxurious from the long habit of enjoying the metropolis, and therefore, though at Lickfield, surrounded with friends who loved and revered him, and for whom he had a very sincere affection, he still found that such conversation as London affords could be found nowhere else these feelings joined probably to some flattering hopes of aid from the eminent physicians and surgeons in london who kindly and generously attended him without accepting fees made him resolve to return to the capital from lickfield he came to birmingham where he passed a few days with his worthy old schoolfellow mr hector who thus writes to me He was very solicitous with me to recollect some of our most early transactions and transmit them to him for i perceive nothing gave him greater pleasure than calling to mind those days of our innocence i complied with his request and he only received them a few days before his death i have transcribed for inspection exactly the minutes i wrote to him this paper having been found in his repositories after his death sir john hawkins has inserted it entire and i have made occasional use of it and other communications from mr hector in the course of this work footnote it is a most agreeable circumstance attending the publication of this work that mr hector has survived his illustrious schoolfellow so many years that he still retains his health and spirits and has gratified me with the following acknowledgment i thank you most sincerely thank you For the great and long continued entertainment your life of Dr Johnson has afforded me and others of my particular friends, Mr Hector, besides setting me right as to the verses on a sprig of myrtle, has favoured me with two English odes written by Dr Johnson at an early period of his life, which will appear in my edition of his poems. Boswell, and a footnote. I have both visited and corresponded with him since dr. Johnson's death and by my inquiries concerning a great variety of particulars have obtained additional information I followed the same mode with Reverend dr. Taylor in whose presence I wrote down a good deal of what he could tell and he at my request signed his name to give it authenticity it is very rare to find any person who is able to give a distinct account of the life even of one whom he has known intimately without questions being put to them my friend dr kippis the editor of the biographia britannica and a footnote has told me that on this account it is a practice with him to draw out a biographical catechism johnson then proceeded to oxford where he was again kindly received by dr adams who was pleased to give me the following account in one of his letters february 17 1785 footnote on december 23rd miss adams wrote to a friend we are all under the sincerest grief for the loss of poor dr johnson he spent three or four days with my father at oxford and promised to come again as he was he said nowhere so happy a footnote his last visit was i believe to my house which he left after a stay of four or five days we had much serious talk together for which i ought to be the better as long as i live you will remember some discourse which we had in the summer upon the subject of prayer and the difficulty of this sort of composition he reminded me of this and of my having wished him to try his hand and to give us a specimen of the style and manner that he approved he added that he was now in a right frame of mind and as he could not possibly employ his time better he would in earnest set about it but i find upon inquiry that no papers of this sort were left behind him except a few short ejaculatory forms suitable to his present situation Dr. Adams had not, then, received accurate information on this subject, for it has since appeared that various prayers had been composed by him at different periods, which, intermingled with pious resolutions and some short notes of his life, were entitled by him prayers and meditations, and have, in pursuance of his earnest requisition, in the hopes of doing good, been published, with a judicious well-written preface, by the reverend Mr. Strahan, to whom he delivered them. Footnote Mr. Strahan says that Johnson, being hindered by illness from revising these prayers, determined to give the mss without revision in charge to me. Accordingly, one morning on my visiting him by desire at an early hour, he put these papers into my hands, with instructions for committing them to the press, and with a promise to prepare a sketch of his own life to accompany them whatever johnson wished about the prayers it passes belief that he ever meant for the eye of the world these minute accounts of his health and his feelings some parts indeed mr strahan himself suppressed as the pembroke college mss shoe it is curious that one portion at least fell into other hands there are other apparent gaps in the diary which raise the suspicion that it was only fragments that mr strahan obtained on the other hand mr strahan had nothing to gain by the publication beyond notoriety Dr. Adams, whose name is mentioned in the preface, expressed in a letter to The Gentleman's Magazine, 1785, his disapproval of the publication, Mr. Courtenay thus attacked Mr. Strahan. Let priestly Strahan in a godly fit, the tale retell in aid of holy writ. Though candid Adams, by whom David fell, who ancient miracles sustained so well, to recent wonders, may deny his aid, nor own a pious brother of the trade the rev dr adams of oxford distinguished for his answer to david hume's essay on miracles End of footnote. this admirable collection to which i have frequently referred in the course of this work evinces beyond all his compositions for the public and all the eulogies of his friends and admirers the sincere virtue and piety of johnson it proves with unquestionable authenticity that amidst all his constitutional infirmities his earnestness to conform his practice to the precepts of christianity was unceasing and that he habitually endeavoured to refer every transaction of his life to the will of the supreme being he arrived in london on the sixteenth of november and next day sent to dr burney the following note which i insert as the last token of his remembrance of that ingenious and amiable man and as another of the many proofs of the tenderness and benignity of his heart mr johnson who came home last night sends his respects to dear dr burney and all the dear burneys little and great footnote johnson once said to miss burney of her brother charles i should be glad to see him if he were not your brother but were he a dog a cat a rat a frog and belonged to you i must needs be glad to see him On November 25th she called on him he let me in though very ill he told me he was going to try what sleeping out of town might do for him I remember said he that my wife when she was near to her end poor woman was also advised to sleep out of town and when she was carried to the lodgings that had been prepared for her she complained that the staircase was in very bad condition for the plaster was beaten off the walls in many places oh said the man of the house That's nothing but by the knocks against it of the coffins of the poor souls that have died in the lodgings He laughed though not without apparent secret anguish in telling me this Miss Burney continues how delightfully bright are his faculties though the poor and infirm machine that contains them seems alarmingly giving way Yet all brilliant as he was. I saw him growing worse and offered to go which for the first time I ever remember he did not oppose but most kindly pressing both my hands be not He said in a voice of even tenderness be not longer in coming again for my letting you go now I assured him I would be the sooner and was running off But he called me back in a solemn voice and in a manner the most energetic said remember me in your prayers and a footnote to mr. Hector in Birmingham dear sir i did not reach oxford until friday morning and then i sent francis to see the balloon fly but could not go myself i stayed at oxford till tuesday and then came in the common vehicle easily to london i am as i was and having seen dr brocklesby am to the squills but whatever be their efficacy this world must soon pass away let us think seriously on our duty i send my kindest respects to dear mrs careless footnote mr hector's sister And Johnson's first love and a footnote let me have the prayers of both we have all lived long and must soon part God have mercy on us for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ Amen I am etc Sam Johnson London November seventeenth, seventeen 1784 his correspondence with me after his letter on the subject of my settling in London shall now so far as is proper be produced in one series july twenty sixth he wrote to me from Ashbourne on the fourteenth. I came to Lickfield and found everybody glad enough to see me on the twentieth. I came hither and found a house half built a very uncomfortable appearance, but my own room has not been altered that a man worn with diseases in his seventy-second or third year should condemn part of his remaining life to pass among ruins and rubbish, and that no inconsiderable part appears to me very strange. I know that your kindness makes you impatient to know the state of my health, in which I cannot boast of much improvement. I came through the journey without much inconvenience, but when I attempt self motion I find my legs weak, and my breath very short. This day I have been much disordered. I have no company. The doctor is busy in his fields, and goes to bed at nine, and his whole system is so different from mine that we seem formed for different elements. I have therefore all my amusement to seek within myself having written to him in bad spirits a letter filled with dejection and fretfulness and at the same time expressing anxious apprehensions Concerning him on account of a dream which had disturbed me His answer was chiefly in terms of reproach for a supposed change of affecting discontent and indulging the vanity of complaint It however proceeded Write to me often and write like a man I consider your fidelity and tenderness as a great part of the comforts which are yet left me, and sincerely wish we could be nearer to each other. My dear friend, life is very short and very uncertain. Let us spend it as well as we can. My worthy neighbor, Allen is dead. Love me as well as you can. Pay my respects to dear Mrs. Boswell. Nothing ailed me at that time. Let your superstition at last have an end. End of Section 43